Thank you for listening to the Calgary Business Podcast. As host, I've had the privilege of meeting a number of individuals that have shared fascinating stories from their experiences in the pre-COVID and COVID periods. In fact, even in early 2021, COVID remains a big part of our everyday lives. Out of 253 podcasts to date, one initiative that stands out represents my chat with three grade 12 students from Western Canada High School here in Calgary. The students, Bridget Ferguson, Katie Sattler, and Grace Atala, took the initiative in 2020 to launch Joy to Job, a series of webinars dedicated to connecting students with community professionals. The girls shared the origin story of Joy to Job on episode 236 earlier this year. Take the time to consider reaching out to Bridget, Katie or Grace, or even their advisor, Jennifer Lessier from Platform Calgary, to join one of their webinar sessions in order to provide your professional guidance and advice to Calgary students seeking to remove some of the uncertainty connected to their future careers. Once again, thanks for listening to the Calgary Business Podcast. I invite you to subscribe to the podcast from whatever app you access your podcasts, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and even Amazon Music. I also invite you to leave a review to allow others to easily find the Calgary Business Podcast. Have a great day and stay safe. Good morning. Welcome to Calgary Business Podcast. I'm your host, Alan Wozni, and for episode number 281, I have uh, two individuals who have started, they've, they've started their own business, and I'm going to let uh, Sawan Logan and Linda Chung, I'm gonna, do I get that right? Did I pronounce your name? That's correct. Okay. Yes, you did. <laughs> All right. So let, let's start with Sawan, and then, and then we'll go over to Linda. Introduce yourselves, please, and, and then we can go into your, your new company. So sure. Hi, Alan. Thanks so much for having us. It's such a pleasure to be uh, broadcasted on your show. I've had the opportunity to listen to a few of your episodes that you have posted on LinkedIn since we've connected. Oh, wonderful. And I have to say it's been very interesting. I love that you choose who you choose within the city and uh, the entrepreneurs that you do host. So very grateful to be on this show. Um, just as you said, my name is Savan Logan. I am one of the co-founders of Northwater. And super grateful to be here. Wonderful. Linda, I'll give you a chance now at the mic. Hi there, Alan. It's Linda Chung here. Yes, uh, like, likewise, I echo uh, someone's uh, comments. Uh, it's a pleasure and a privilege to be part of your po podcast. Um, I am Linda Chung. I'm one of the other co-founders of Northwater. And uh, we are excited to be offering uh, a different alternative for uh, bottled water to Canada and the world. Well, I like I like the, the the origin story. There's so much. I literally, I it's just like water. You know, it's like it's abundant around us. But I think there's so much to talk about and unpack today. So let's let's start first. How did you two meet? Maybe someone you want to share that. Sure. Yeah. So Linda and I met on a, a board of a charity while volunteering. About I would say almost ten years ago now. Uh, I was new to the country and I decided I was going to give back uh, somehow and wanted to be a part of an organization whose struggles are somewhat understood as an immigrant myself. Right. And so I joined the Board of Calgary Immigrant Women's Association, and there I met Linda. 
So I thought there's going to be like you're you're both you're both in some kind of a backwaters and you're looking at the water and say we can do this. Was it was there? Okay, Linda, was there a story like that when you decided to start the North Water business? Um, it was. It's not that exotic kind of a story. It's more of a organic kind of a, a story. It grew from our friendship and our shared values and. Yeah how we both uh, are, you know, immigrants to Canada and how we love this land and all the, all the beauty it has to offer, whether it's the people, the resources, the landscapes, and just the clean, natural uh, environment that we live in. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, I come from Vietnam and, um, you know, I'm, our country's surrounded by water. Uh, you know, I've been here for over 30 years and um, I from, uh, from, from the beginnings, we wanted us going to, see what we can offer from Canada to the world. And uh, we looked around us and thought, well, you know, how come uh, with water, there's there's no world-renowned brands for representing Canada? And I think that's where um, kind of the impetus of the idea came through. Yeah. And, and I'll let uh, Salman kind of add to that story from her uh, background uh, just growing up in Fiji too. But Fiji, yeah, sorry, so you, you're, wait, you're from Fiji? That What, there's Fiji water, right? Is it from Fiji? <laughs> That's right. They have Fiji water, and I'm competing directly with them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, uh, I am from Fiji, very proudly born and raised there. And uh, for me, I had the luxury of travel from a very, uh, in my early 20s, and mostly through work. And having been to so many countries across the world, the one thing that was common everywhere I went was I bought water. Yes. I drank out of the tap. And maybe it's a tourist thing you do where you never feel safe drinking water even in a different city. I don't know, but that was me at least. And of course, some countries you needed to buy bottled water because it just wasn't safe for people who want you to do it. Sure. Um, and in all of those travels, I had never really seen a strong brand of Canadian water. And at that time, it never occurred to me because I was living in Australia and I didn't really think of much water in the same way. Uh, but all of this kind of took a different angle when Linda and I would talk about Canada and our love for Canada and what was great that we could showcase to the rest of the world to actually finding a spring uh, and drinking out of a spring and saying, wow, we do have great water. And then it came back. All those other memories came back saying, in all of these travels, why have I never picked up a bottle of Canadian water anywhere or even seen on the shelves? Um, and it was this thing of we have the beautiful resource. We have one of the best, you know, tasting water in the world. Yeah. And everything else. And one of the largest reserves in the world. Yet there's no strong brand of Canadian water. There's Fiji water, however. <laughs> there, yeah, there's Fiji water. But look, it's, it's, it's incredible because I remember going back to 19, I don't know, okay, mid 80s. Let's just say that. But I was in UFC, University of Calgary. We did a case study, and I'm pretty sure it was Poland Springs or one of those, you know, those names. And it's like it was a, it was part. It was just it, we went through the whole gamut. Kind of what that's why I was excited for this podcast because it really is a case study. But that was when water wasn't abundant in, in sort of bottled water sources, and today it is. So that that's that's to me what I'm not gonna blame you for doing this but linda what made you think you can differentiate from fiji and nestle water and all that and i'm, I'm really serious i think that's a great question that investors probably ask you as well 
That's a that's a natural question most people ask us. Um, is it competitive landscape, the bottled water um, kind of industry? Yeah. Um, what differentiates us is that when we started this company, we didn't want to create another bottled water company that uh, puts its water in a plastic vessel. Yeah. And, uh, you know, uh, just from traveling the world and just even travel within Canada, you see, you know, plastic bottles litter on the ground, not yeah. just properly. And even though we have the recycling infrastructure in Canada, uh, the rate of recycling is pretty poor, just uh, abysmal actually, you know, 9% of uh, plastic bottle actually gets re recycled. And so when we started this, we we're like, we're gonna do something different. And, um, you know, from our travels, and I think uh, someone's traveled to Japan, she noticed that there's a, lot, a high use of aluminum bottles um, for uh, their beverages. Right. And so we started researching into that and trying to find out if that's possible with uh, with water. And so that's, uh, and that's kind of our differentiating factor because we do see the, the trend of uh, consumers wanting a choice that's uh, better for the environment. You know, hydration on the go is not going to go away. And so is there a better choice for uh, water when you're when you're needing water and on your on the shelf, all you see is plastic bottles uh, being offered right now? Sure. So to the, that, sorry, I'm just yeah, going to make a sure. quick statement on that, on the differentiating factor itself. The one thing that differentiates us from Fiji Water and Avian and the other large brands that dominate the market currently, none of them are Canadian. Uh, no one ever thinks of Fiji being a place where you'd go visit the islands and drink water from the taps. Even <laughs> in France, you wouldn't, right? But in Canada, yeah. we are known for our glaciers. We are known for springs. We are known for fresh water. We are known for that. Fiji is, and Fiji is known for salt water because it's an island. Right, um, right. France, people, their own people don't drink out of the taps. Paris is not known for clean water, at least was until recently. So, Have you seen the dog? Sorry, let's, we spoke about dogs earlier. Yes. You walked on the streets of Paris. Yeah. The dogs, the dogs have precedent over people. <laughs> That's right. They do. No, I'm serious. Yeah, they do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. So I think that's that's one differentiating factor we will always have over Fiji, Avian, and any other brand is that sure. this is pure Canadian spring water. Like it doesn't get better than that. You don't have to come here to a major city at least and worry about can I drink out of the tap? Am I going to feel ill? Not in the major cities. Yes, there's still parts of Canada that does not get access to clean drinking water and the remote parts of Canada, but they do exist. Um, so that's always going to be something that needs to be addressed. But nonetheless, I don't think any tourist comes to Toronto, Vancouver, or even Calgary and says, mm, I don't know if I should drink out of the tap because I'm going to fall sick. No, it's incredible. The first time when I went overseas, I was in Ukraine in nine, is, uh, 95. And, you know, bottle water, it was just, you're not drinking out of the water. And that was my first time really drinking bottled water. But I remember this European diplomat. I don't remember the country she was from, but I remember her bathing her babies, six month old, whatever it was, in bottled water. But <laughs> Evian bought, you know, like they literally that luxury or whatever we have. I, I just really thought that was extreme. But, you know, I guess that's where people go. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Even like we've been uh, listening to some of or reading quite a bit. And you hear things, uh, reports that come out of China where people don't even feed their pets with tap water. So people who can afford are giving their pets bottled water as well because they don't trust their own water system. Um, sure. So, and when you think of Canada, what's the first thing people think of? They think of us as 
polite, maybe overly apologetic, but there's also trust, trustworthy. People look at Canadians as people they can actually trust, our resources that they can trust, businesses that they can trust. There's a, there's a culture that Canada has that's showcased across the world of not being bad people. Canadians aren't known in the world as being bad people. And so same with our resources and same with our businesses as well. We are very trusted. Uh, I don't think anywhere anybody else in the world has the same reputation when it comes to their resources and putting something forward that, you know, has high standards as we do as Canadians. No, thank Yeah, that's, I mean, I, I live, live living overseas for so many years and it was, that's kind of a common thread I'd hear from foreigners about Canada. So thank you for Salwan. Uh, Linda, let's talk about the bottle. Like, the bottle is made where and how do you get it? Maybe you can talk some of that a little bit, some logistics on that. Uh, the bottle does come from the USA. Um, and it just uh, makes sense from a logistics point of view because they're our biggest trading partner. And it's, uh, from a language barrier, it's kind of um, uh, easy to work with and time zone wise too as well. Um, right. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's uh, USA has a, a lot of manufacturers that make all sorts of aluminum bottles and they're, they're, they're one of the leaders in, in this, in, in this area. Don't we have, I mean, there's a Canadian, don't we have a big al aluminum company somewhere down East? We do. We do. And like every resource of ours, we mine the resource, we, we yeah. tackle the resource and we send it overseas for it to be developed and resent <laughs> to us. So we become, we, we go from upstream to downstream and we totally miss the midstream aspect of everything. And yeah. Uh, yeah, so we do that. We do. So the company we buy our bottles from actually buys the aluminum from Ontario. So they buy it from Ontario. Then they sell it back to us with, you know, every single trade war that has pushed the tariffs up to whatever yes. happened and we buy it at a much higher price point. It's that's, that's how there's a Canadian way of doing business. <laughs> well, that's probably the economies of scale, the factory, the that they, I mean, you know, yeah. you think of the factory, right? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's common in the, when they, when Donald Trump tried to unbundle the NAFTA, which I don't know what he did, but they talked about how it just crosses all three countries. It's not as simple as you've got raw materials and distribution and parts. Uh, yeah. Assembly and things like that. Yes. So, so did COVID interrupt that supply chain during 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 COVID or any any time? So we had uh, we were fortunate because when COVID started, uh, we were a week into operations, and in order to be a week into operations and the product we have, we don't have the luxury of buying in small quantities. We have to buy in large quantities because that's how the right. production runs. So we were sitting on inventory. We had the opposite problem. We had all this money spent and we were sitting on inventory. So instead right. of having challenges of getting inventory, we were having challenges of selling inventory, getting rid of it. <laughs> so, we so Linda, with the accountant hat on, when she was an accountant, did you were you probably cringing at that? The, the thought of all that uh, outlay in capital? Uh, yes, naturally, we, we do. <laughs> you, you got it there. Um, you know, it, uh, it was a challenging times, but uh, I think uh, we had some good cash flow uh, in, the, in the bank and that kind of helped uh, ease some of the kind of headaches and uh, sleepless nights. But um, yeah, it, but as you know, as the restrictions lifted in kind of June and July and, uh, you know, businesses were buying again and cafes and restaurants were open and more people going to grocery stores, you know, we saw, you know, our inventory move out the door uh, a lot faster. So how did you, on that note, did you, were you, had you, because you've already bought the inventory before, were you, was there a social media, kind of a traditional media campaign, the six to 12 months before that, before you bought all those bottles? 
Did we have that? Um, no, we did no. not. We were one of those traditional companies that, you know, were so focused on operations that we didn't and sales that we didn't focus yeah. too much on marketing. But we did want to make sure that we would have a proper launch of our product. And that we did around May or June last year, where we did a social media launch. Again, COVID sort of slowed that down a bit for us. Yeah. But we did a, a launch of just introducing North Water. And I think, well, for us prior to that, when we were buying the inventory, we weren't really sure with just how the setup and construction goes, which never goes on time, exactly what our launch date was going to be. And we had moved it once. So it was one of those things where we were still trying to figure out what that was going to look like. And then we thought, okay, now it's time. And uh, we did a, a very small social media campaign uh, to introduce sure. Northwater to the world. We did a video, which was very well received. And I think just introduced the company. And other than that, we never did a sales push because we wanted to have an organic following. We wanted to have an organic um, you know, fans, fan base out there that was going to buy a product because they believed in the value and the idea of the product and wasn't a sales pitch for them to go buy their next bottle of water. No, I understand. So let's let's go back to that then. The, so Northwater One, when you first started, like I'm just trying to understand the chicken and the egg here because if you, we tested the water. I mean, did you get the water samples and you went, I mean, where's your water from? I, there's a lot of questions. I'm sorry. I just want to go back to that where you, you were kind of testing the water. I, you know what I mean? Like, were you in the garage? And we said, it's not like a, a software program or things like that where you're testing, building your, your Hewlett Packard model. You've got water and bottles. So what, what was that kind of pivotal point when you started buying? the? Yeah, bottles? so for us, we did not have the luxury of doing a kitchen test or a garage test or a backyard test on our product. <laughs> and the very reason, because... Um, unlike most products like a granola bar or something that you can make and pack at home, yeah. in order for the bottle to be sealed properly, it required at least a million dollar investment when it came to the production line itself. And without that, you couldn't go wow. ahead. And unlike, uh, again, unlike food product, like a chocolate bar, granola bar that you can test at home in a small batch, you still yeah. can't, you can't do that with water because even if it's raw spring water, it still goes through its own needs a pipe to be transported within the warehouse itself from one point to the other to get into the machines and all that. So it required a, a large con construction outlay. A cost outlay was was needed. So unfortunately for us, like many companies, and I wish we had that opportunity, we didn't. We also felt short where we as a company could not find anybody in Western Canada or all of Canada who could actually co-pack for us. So we couldn't even go yeah. to somebody and say, hey, this is my bottle. Do you mind filling this water for me? I'll bring you the water and you know, I'll save some construction costs. We didn't have that. The only company that had the has the equipment that we have that allows for a bottle um, bottling plant like ours to, to be able to successfully fill in aluminum bottles and cap it, was a beer company out in Ontario. Oh, okay. So that they they're the ones who bottle it for you. Is that no. still is that still No, we have our own plant. Oh. oh okay. Yeah. Wow. We, so, so you've invested so you did you made that capital investment into the bottling facility. Yes, we had to. That's right. Mm -hmm. Okay. So the water comes from where then? It comes from a, rock, a spring in the Rocky Mountains uh, in Alberta. Um, okay. we prefer not to disclose uh, the exact location or the source kind of thing, but it is, um, 
it is tested and we have, you know, uh, water geology reports on it so that uh, we know what the composition of the, sure. the, the water is. But is it is it is it shipped or piped or how how do, how does the water get? Because your plant is in northwest Calgary somewhere, right? Is that right? That's right. Yeah, it's in northeast. Northeast. Yeah. Okay. So the the water gets to you by truck or? Yes. Yeah, so we get it trucked. So currently, our current source happens to be um, in a park, in a provincial park, which doesn't allow for any developments. Um, yeah. very guarded, which is great. We should protect our parks, nice, yeah. yes. So what we do is we bring it in large, large stainless steel, basically truck has large tankers on them, brings about 40,000 liters at a time. And then we have the ability to store 40,000 liters in-house and we borrow from there. Yeah, this reminds me, like literally three years ago when I was in the Middle East and working, they were they were converting, they had a big distill distillation uh, because they were taking seawater and converted it into distilled water. It was incredible, but the RO, whatever process. But that, yours is, and they were trucking literally on the, during that test phase, like you just said, 40,000 liter trucks, they were bringing them daily, but not one, but multiple, uh, just to test this, the, you know, pipe, the pipe, water. that was the pipe systems in the, the factory. But to your point, you're just using that 40,000 liters and filling bottles. Is, is it, there's a process, obviously, where the water has to be, Dist, uh, not dist, is it distilled or is it, I mean, is there, maybe you can clarify that. Uh, it goes through some treatment just to make sure that uh, we remove any potential bacteria that would come from the spring. So, right, you know, there's right. a carbonation uh, that goes through our carbon filter just to remove any potential odors. And there's a couple other filters that we go through and a UV light just to um, kill any worms. All yeah. right. So, yeah, it, uh, it we do follow our the Canadian bottle watering bot Canadian Bottled Water Association guidelines to make sure that the, the water is safe for drinking and consumption. Wait, there's a Canadian bottle, water, water Bottle Association, but there's nobody before you producing bottled water for Canada. That was Sawan's. No, there are. So there's lots of Canadian companies that produce bottled water that are out of Canada. Um, they are. There's a number of them. Um, it's just that there's no strong Canadian brand. Like if you hear right. even what you've just said, I could go talk to about 20 people on the street and say, what's your favorite brand of Canadian water? So it wasn't, the idea wasn't, you know, we aren't the inventors of Canadian water here. We're not. It wasn't our idea. We're not the first people either. We're, you know, we're no pioneers <laughs> here. We're only a pioneer when it comes to aluminum bottle and a, and a plastic alternative that is yeah. a lot better option for the environment and the world we live in. And even for your own body, forget the health, forget the environment, for your own health, plastic leaches into your system. Um, so it's, you know, it's just a better alternative from every aspect. So we are not... We are not uh, the pioneers in this. There's a lot of Amer Canadian brands of water that are out there. None on the global yeah, stage I... that competes with Avian and Fiji that can roll out of people's roll of people's tongues. And this is a thing we had done a, a focus group we had done prior to launching our product to ask everyone what their bottled favorite bottled water was, and no one could think of Canada. The only brand that came out that nope. people were like who they weren't really sure was they were saying Nestle. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Yeah, Nestle, Perrier, or Evian. All Canadian brands. <laughs> exactly. Fiji, too. Well, I love this. Okay, so the, that story is pretty cool. So the focus groups are done, and you, did you videotape that, and you kind of got some funny things from that, or no? Or is this just you, you kept it private? We kept them private, um, you know, just yeah. for um, – we want to kind of like a blind test too, just uh, just to see, just to gauge people's perception. 
and making sure that we would uh, develop our marketing strategy correctly, you know, with without any bias and all that. Did you did, did you get ask them about a name if if they could think of a name? Is that where North Water came from, or was it just you two had brainstormed it? It, it came through a, a a brainstorming session, quite quite honestly, and uh, we wanted to uh, to resonate with Canada. And um, at that time, North uh, you know does repre represent Canada, and coincidentally, it was also at the time where the Raptors were kind of big on yes, part of the North. I was good. Gonna... <laughs> um, yeah, I was gonna and it was coincident, uh, quite frankly. We it, yeah. we had uh, did the branding session probably in the late around Christmas, and I think uh, the Raptors got really big around January of was it twenty nineteen kind of thing. Yeah, that's right. Mm -hmm. That's right. No, no, it's fantastic. I mean, I, that was my first thought. Of that. Is there any any resemblance or not resemblance? How do you call it? Any linkage to the We the North? the raptors and you know they don't own i mean i use that all the time in in jest because i think it's great i think it's a it's a great canadian brand i mean if you go back you two might not remember but you know there was the uh, great white north the bob and doug yes. mckenzie and you know that was just that you know there's a song to that but that, that that's that's i think that's out there i think it makes north water goes with canada mm -hmm. so i like that whether i like it or not is irrelevant but it's it's a, it's a great uh, it's a great linkage so I mean, the customers that are you, you, you kind of did the focus groups and now you, and I think Sawan, you mentioned fans. Are, do you have those fans? Do you have the customers? Are they shouting out to North, about North We do. Water? We actually are very fortunate that we have fans and uh, we don't have a lot of fans. I'm not going to lie because we're still a brand that's just emerging. We're very new still, but the fans we have are like amazing. We're so fortunate. Uh, we do a lot of, sales through Shopify or online sales. And we have some customers who buy from us anywhere between four to eight cases every month. And they show up every month, they're on subscription, they take it from us. And they have been such great fans. We've even had fans who have turned into investors. And so that has right. been amazing for us. And we've also had people who have worked with us, like a, you know the agency that helped us with the brand and the creation of the brand came in as an investor as well. So there might not have been fans who became fans only after buying our water. We've had some fans who have just were so part of our journey that they believed in where we were going and our values and wanted to be a part of it. And then we have fans who have just come along after they've tried our water and seen who we are and just want to be a part of us just for supporting us. And we see that also on Instagram and things as well, on social quite a bit where we have you know, people posting for the water that they've tried and have something to say. And we've had our water get sold in auctions even. So it's always nice to have that, to see that there they, they are people who truly believe in what you do uh, and support you for yeah. whatever their reason is, whether it's the company they believe in or the product they believe in or just the change they believe in. And it's all, everything is so welcoming. And it's been a great journey just from the level of you know the reception that we have received i don't think we could be like we could we wouldn't be where we are today had it not been for for those people and and some of those fans even come from companies like when we first started linda and i were reminiscing about it yesterday before lockdown started we had three companies that carried our water two of the three were in food service. So we have Martellos in, in Sunco building. We had Lina's Italian market who had one and our oh, first yeah. customer. And we love Lina's. Um, 
Wait, so wait, Lena's, you're talking about Matthew Ray, because Matthew was on, he was a friend of the oh, podcast. Oh, is he? Uh, yeah, he's, a, he's, he's become a good friend yeah. through this process of ours as well. And uh, yeah, right. we love Matthew and he's been he's been amazing. Um, so yes, yeah, so it was Lena's basically uh, Fairmont Bam Springs and um, and Marcello's. And so for Fairmont Bam Springs and Lena's, they were fans of the product and they were fans of us. And so that's how we kind of, made our way into those two places. And unfortunately, as lockdown started, we saw two of the three of our customers went into lockdown. So the Bam Springs Hotel never opened up for a long time. Yeah. And right. Lena's was the only one because they were more retail driven. Uh, so yeah, we, you know, we saw, so we have fans from both as an individual, as companies, and we couldn't be prouder. No, I liked it when you talk about it because I, I was listening to a podcast the other day and it was a marketing for the now Gary Vaynerchuk podcast. And he, he was talking to CMOs from top companies. And he said, how do you change, how do you convert customers to fans? And there were some examples. You've got, you've not only have customers who went to fans, but they became investors. You don't have to tell me the names of the investors, but what was, do you remember that pivotal point? Maybe Linda, you want to, you want to step into that one and say why they turned into a fan, uh, from a fan to an investor. Um, I believe it's how uh, Sal and I approached this company. It's uh, you know we we came from our uh, values and our heart of trying to do something better uh, for for the community and, and for the planet, um, and uh, I think they appreciate that uh, we put a lot of hard work and. And knowing that this is a kind of a difficult market, but we still want to tackle it. We still want to offer something sure. that uh, we, we're proud of and it's can, very Canadian. So I think, uh, that, and, and the water, a lot of, some of our fans are uh, playing professional sports and they love uh, the alkalinity of the water and it's great for their bodies and it, it, it works for their workout regime. So I think that's where, where uh, we've converted some of our, uh, you know, uh, fans and customers into investors. Right. Nice. But so the water, again, I love that. I love the, the local because there's one, it's local. Maybe the bottle's not local yet, but it's the source. You said the raw materials still come from Ontario. You know, most of your, it's very local company, right? You've invested, you've got a plant, Northeast Calgary. Sorry if I get that wrong last time, you know, and, and you've got the water, sourced Alberta water. And it's incredible. So, the the distribution is it uh, is it in Canada or do you go across across? It's Canada? across Canada for now, um, but yeah. we are actively working to to kind of gaining market share outside of Canada right now. And so that's that's our next priority for the for the year twenty twenty one and twenty twenty two. So when you mentioned uh, the bottles, the, there was customers are buying every month a subscription, but aren't the they bottles are, reusable? They are reusable. I think a lot of our customers recognize that, as, as you said earlier, you know, that the Netflix show that had come out on water. After that show, we got a lot yeah. of emails from people and we still do asking questions that was basically addressed within the show. And, you know, you've they've seen the show. So uh, a lot of our customers are very uh, health conscious people and they don't want to drink tap water. They want to have alkaline water. And I don't know if we mentioned this already or not, but our water is naturally high in alkaline and high alkalinity is a is a diet that's kind of taken over North America with people who are very into sports or athletics or in, just take care of people who are very conscious of their health. Because our everyday diets right. are so full of uh, 
food and alcohol that converts that our system accepts it takes it as acid basically this uh, offsets, so this that. offsets that the that's right the like this similar to how sauerkraut is eaten for gut health and kimchi and all that because it's got that pickled factor it's got that alkaline in it right it's higher more yeah, it offsets right. the acid, so it's more neutral. So alkaline water does the same. And, you know, we have had customers who have said, you know, majority, we are mostly made of water. And one of the best ways to replenish alkalinity in our system is through water. So they have always seeked alkaline water. And so we, you know, even though the bottles are reusable, they still buy it because they can't fill it with the, the tap water they fill with is not the same um, in terms of the health benefits level. isn't the same. So for, for those who just drink for hydration, I think they can always refill and do what they want with the bottle. Those who drink for health choose yeah. alkaline water and they buy, as I said, eight cases or whatever they need a month to last them a month. Sure. Well, let, let's, so the water source, again, I, it, is it because where it's coming from in the, the stream or the glacier that, that there's a high alkaline level? Yes, so mineral, the mineral content of water generally de decides the alkalinity as well. Um, and the Rockies looks like has, has water that is high in alkal alkalinity. Um, the, so this is just the water itself and just where it comes from and what, it, what minerals make up the, the, con the chemical content of the water, basically, the mineral content. You know, it reminds me when you talk about the gut health, and the, there was Conrad Farrell from Trubuch Kombucha. Trubuch yes. Kombucha. He, he, was, he was on my podcast. It was, a, it, was, it was well over a year ago when the days when I had one on ones down at the ATV Center. But he literally said, I just started making this for my health, like the, that, the biotics. And so that you're really onto something because the health in our diet, I think you mentioned a little bit, Sawan, is you know, the foods that go in and, and the acids and so forth. You know that that really sounds like important. And how did did you was that something you you thought you found before you started bottling, or just happened to be a good a byproduct of everything? Yeah. So that our water alkaline. source had high alkaline in it, which we were fortunate to have, and that became another push to sell water as alkaline water versus just Canadian spring water. Yeah. And yes, you made a good point around you know kombucha as well. Very same reason, fermented foods. It's basically fermented foods that are. Um, great for you. And they said kimchi and sauerkraut and all of that. And kombucha is also fermented. So fermented food is, is really what everyone is going for these days to have a better gut health. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I grew up, I mean, I grew up, I worked overseas and I was in five years in Kazakhstan and kimchi was, and again, my wife, you mentioned sauerkraut, you know, the, the Russians really like those, those kind of foods. And it was, there's no surprise that, you know, that that's, was part of the diet when we went into Kazakhstan. That kimchi is is mm -hmm. really really popular. So um, not so <laughs> I, I, for me. I don't quite have that, but uh, I understand that 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 sensitivity on the stomach. So let's let's talk a little bit. You mentioned Shopify. You what is your te what technology or in terms of your back end or your front end? You know, in terms of your your computer. Maybe I'll go to Linda to the accountant and you. And are you using any systems or is it just? Off the shelf or like Shopify, are they helping you in the back office? Um, we do use Shopify for our uh, as a sales channel. Um, we're also on Amazon.com. Um, well, the, the back channel is quite simple actually because our uh, you know our, our processes are not that complex yet. So we use you know uh, so Excel and and 
cookbooks, quite frankly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's, 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 and QuickBooks are all integrated with uh, with Shopify and whatnot. So there's all these APIs and integrations so that you don't really need to develop your own ERPs and whatnot kind of thing. Nice, yeah. Makes it, it's easier than, than the, in the days. And I know the Fairmont doesn't make, doesn't surprise me because I think, didn't you work ah, at one time? Yes, I did. Yeah, I did. <laughs> so good. But tap into your old contacts. That's, I mean, older, you know, that's a, that's a, I mean, as I said, it's an iconic brand, the Canadian, the Canadian hotels and, and you said Canadian Pacific as well, but that's a, they're, they're nationwide. So are you in there? Um, that it would be our goal. Uh, we're working towards that. Uh, unfortunately, yeah. the, uh, some of the decision makings that, uh, that covers the, kind of a national uh, reach is is not made locally it's made right. uh based in uh, made by the head head office which is based in paris so you know that that is our goal yeah yeah uh, really? fairmont hotels is owned by accord oh. and which is a, which is the international chain uh, they have many brands under them okay. yeah. right right so the bottles the, oh the labeling is it is it all part of the whole thing when you get the bottle done by the down south, is it labels embedded in, or is there? A yeah, it, it's it's printed onto the aluminum bottle. It's uh, yeah, it's it's uh, it's just like a Coca Cola can, you know, it's printed on. Okay, so it's not like something's going to come off and when yeah, you no, it, it's not. There's no uh, plastic that, shrink that. sleeves that surrounds the uh, the bottle. Uh, some some like aluminum cans do have a plastic shrink sleeve. Ours is just printed. Yeah, I just think there's a natural there's a natural partner right here in Calgary. I just had on my podcast, and he does the drinks, um, sugar water yeah. bar mm -hmm. or sugar water events. But I don't know if you know. Yes. I don't know if you know. I've Joe. had uh, some interactions with him over the over in 2020. Yes, the sugar water bar. Yes. Yeah, because his the sugar. We did the podcast last week, and he made we made a drink on the Zoom and and on the podcast. But the, the the fantastic thing was he's making this. I'm sure they're bottling with local support. Like he's, he has a deal with Monogram Coffee. You know, there's that water. There's the water element. I got to imagine there's something. Whoever he's using for his source, there's probably a natural link. But I'm I'm just thinking out loud here because it's sugar water, right? They just add the sugar to it, and then you have Black Cloud Bitters. Rob Kazanowski, they're bottling their bitters, and I, I imagine there was some water content. And then there's of course all the distillers in Calgary. Do they not use some water to their? their they do. I think the there? quantity they use is not something that's feasible for us to deliver to anyone. But you would, you know, a lot of them do use a city of Calgary water, um, and they just dechlorinate the water and use it for most distill for distillation. To even microbreweries use the same. The content of water they go through. So, uh, just on a side note. Water bottled water is the most efficient use of water in any beverage industry. And that is a, you know, as much as there's so much pushback and so much fight about, you know, drawing more water from the springs and, you know, how bottled water industry is like raping the earth of water and all the other stuff. We are the most efficient use of water. For every one liter of water, bottled water industry, at least aluminum bottle itself, we use less than almost one to one for filling because our product is just water. Right. Whereas you have beer industry that uses, for one liter, there's about seven liters of water. And that doesn't include growing of the hop or the wheat. It doesn't include any of that. And it's the same with distillation process as well, right? But so for them, many people don't realize that, that 
our water sources at the end of the day, even with the city, the source of water in Calgary isn't all rain driven. It's a lot of it is spring melt and it's water. The sources are very similar. So when you're drawing from the water supply, you're drawing from the water supply. Um, to long, I sort, yeah. sort of digressed yeah, I, here, didn't answer your question. But yes, the, the use of water, how much they need, is not something we could supply in tanks to them. No, I was, I was just thinking a lot in terms of, because just when you mentioned that, the, you know, by the truck, and that, that took me back to, to uh, Qatar, and oftentimes we would get more, either it was water, or we got more argon, whatever it was, resources that were coming that were shipped in. And it's like, can we sell it or can we someone else use it? One of the other factories use it. And, and that was always that, that extra thing because we weren't we weren't full full tilt. We weren't full capacity. If you got to a point where you there was it, would you store your water or would you just go you, you get water that, you know, you're going to bottle up. It doesn't stay for very long. That's correct. Yeah, that? You know, we we want to make sure that, uh, you know, we, we use the water and through sales and, you know, really. Uh, inventory the the water will be depleted yeah. from our tanks and so we just keep on ordering more t water on a monthly basis and whatnot so yeah but, I, I but you don't have massive storage tanks in your warehouse or do, or do you only forty thousand liters that's a lot of swimming pools how many how, how many a lot. Pools that well, at least one. Yeah we have forty thousand <laughs> liters of water that we have in house um, that we can store at any given time. And I think for yeah. many companies, it's, you know, if you're using directly from the tap and dechlorinating it as it kind of comes through your system, you just need a little pipe to do it. You don't need to store water. Um, once you start storing water and getting in tanks, you get into an additional expense, which most microbreweries don't have the ability to spend on capital and neither do distilleries. I think it's interesting to see how the new, you know, distilleries and microbreweries have taken over um, our markets these days because of just some relaxation in, in regulations. So I think it's it's becoming a thing that many people can try and are becoming good at. So I don't know if everyone has the, you know, ability to buy two twenty thousand liter tanks. They're very expensive to buy. So I don't blame them. <laughs> no, you're right. You're, you're absolutely right. Like it's it's that sort of that that that. I had a few of the podcasts, um, uh, a few guests on my podcast were distillers. In the early days, it was you had to do a certain amount of liters per year, and then they just dropped that regulation. So is there a minimum for you to build that plant? Was it was there a minimum you had to do, or was that, that wasn't really a factor? It was just in order to do it, you had to – what was that deciding factor? The minimum amount of uh, liters per year or just – you needed to build a factory to 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 uh, to ship the yeah, water. Yeah, so we when we first built it, we took into consideration what our maximum like two or three days supply was going to be if we were to run the the facility twenty hours a day, assuming three shifts, twenty to twenty four hours. What would it take? Because we know how quickly we can get water. So based on that, we thought, okay, we needed to plan for that. But we also in our construction process, we created more. So we had to make sure our foundation was able to handle the amount of weight that was going to be placed on it. So we reinforce everything with additional concrete yeah. and all that. So we made sure that there was always room for another 20,000 liters if we had to uh, go down that path. But with Linda and I, the one thing we share and we're very, um, you know, uh, there's no, no two ways about it is doing it the right way. So for us, it was... We were we spent a little bit more than maybe most people would have spent, 
but we made sure things were done right, that we were not going to be held back just because we decided to cut corners. So when it came to buying this, buying of equipment, to selling the plant, we made sure we yeah. went with those people who were credible and were had a better reputation in the industry, were reliable. We bought all our equipment, either it came from the US, Canada, or, or Europe. And we stayed away from, uh, you know, like you could get the same equipment from China for a third of the price. But we stayed away from that just because for us, the reliability was important, but also the quality of product was very important. Sure. And so in order to do that, we made sure that our entire warehouse, and I hope you can come visit someday and you'd see it. Oh, I'm like, I literally, my mind is going, what, what does it look like? Because I, I didn't, I didn't drill down into your warehouse, into your warehouse, into your website. But I mean, that, that's exactly that, a capital. So that's the accounting to me, Linda. Is like I, I want to see. Yeah. I want to kick. You can count them too if you want to. You know, is it, you know, I want to do an inventory count. Yeah, I want to make sure that it's all there. Which you know, but I'm not. I've I've dropped that hat a long time ago <laughs> in the water. But let, like so the, but the, I guess the tank, right? That there's a lot of moving parts. You've got the water, the pipes coming in, and the intake, and you've got to make sure as well. There's rust. Yeah. And, yeah. Mm -hmm. Stainless steel. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's all that consideration, making sure the right uh, piping material, stainless steel, the welding, it's done pro properly because you don't want it to leak or, you know, uh, poor, poor welding. Um, yeah, there's a lot of consideration. And we had, fortunately, some good uh, kind of team members uh, we could count on and to kind of direct us that way because we're both accountants. So, you know, as much as we think we know a lot about uh, manufacturing, there's some parts that we don't and we do have great help in giving us, you know, friends who can give us direction and guidance. on. Mm -hmm. Sure. Because I'm just putting my, getting back to the Middle East when, you know, that whole process and yours on a, a little bit of smaller scale, but still it's pretty large for the, for Calgary and that whole thing, you've got weather considerations, making sure those clamps don't freeze the outside stuff, the inside, making sure the temperature, You've got HVAC or, you know, making sure you have a constant temperature in that room. Yeah, right? ours, ours is, uh, at the end of the day, things. ours is a food facility. And so we do have to meet uh, the uh, food handling regulations, right? It is, water is a oh, food right. product. And so things have to be handled properly to make sure things are hygienic and uh, our our staff is trained and and uh, wearing the proper PPE when, when operating the production line. Yeah. Right. That's incredible. No, it's, it's incredible that you built that. I, I just thought you bottled it. You found, you know, someone else. And like you said, I guess someone, that somebody in Ontario, beer manufacturer, they just wouldn't do it. It wasn't even practical, right? So you did it yourself. It, it, you, in this case, you built it. And That's then, right. Now, now yeah. Company, you know what? Home, um, right? Even if they wanted to, if the beer company wanted to work with us, I don't think we would have been very comfortable because yeast and water is not a very good combination. You don't want water in your <laughs> Yeast, you what, don't want sorry, yeast in water, water, and beer uses a lot of yeast. Oh. So, you know, it's even if you wanted to, I think, uh, unlike many, many products out there, many beverages, you can mask a lot of taste, you can mask yeah. a lot of things. With yeah. water, you cannot. So the purity of water oh, is right. where it, it's, it's, it all lies. And I think the only way to do it is to control right. your own environment. And with Linda and I both being control freaks, um, I think it was the best way to do it was to make sure that we checked all our boxes and we were not going to default on any health regulation or anything like that just because there's impurities in the water or anything that could you know affect our brand. 
so yeah, this was there was no alternative to. Um, but I like this. I like this as sort of going back. Sorry, the, the Canadian side, you know, that bought the hard bottled, the aluminum bottle. Like that's that's very right. much a Canadian aluminum <laughs> hockey stick. Go, you know. I mean, I can, you know, you know, what I'm saying like it's there's real Canadian things about this and that cooler element. The out, you know, camping people this summer are going to probably be glamping, and maybe you can get that bottle with some glamping. I did have one of the lavish uh, camps. Uh, she was on the podcast. The you know glamping. I just see a natural partnership there and having that bottle sitting up, you know, and you see a lot of beer, right? Why not water? You see a lot of these Canadian beer and they're just, it's part of camping. Why can't a nice bottle of uh, water like yours? Totally agree. Cause be uh, not everybody uh, does drink beer. And uh, you know, if say when you go camping, you have kids, you know, they're not beer. <laughs> you want to feed them water. <laughs> yes. <laughs> they're not. Wait, we're, we're... <laughs> not necessarily. You don't give your kids beer. <laughs> Yes. Also, the other nice thing about our water our bottle yeah. is also that it's aluminum, so it keeps it cooler. Cool. So in summer, when you are camping yeah. or when you are outside, yeah. it's nice to have something that remains cold for longer. And the bottle being reusable, you can fill it up with your next favorite beverage. We don't judge what goes in there, right? It could be beer. Have, it could be beer. We've had we've had people last year that um, we hiking. didn't know friends of friends who went hiking. Um, who decided to put beer in their uh, North Water bottles and take it with them. They drank the water and they were like, we're just going to fill it with beer because it's going to remain cold for longer. Whatever your favorite cold beverage is yeah, that no, can that go in sense. there, just nothing hot. But I like, the reusable part is real important as well. The bottle itself, reusable, clean, yeah. you know, and I, I guess it'll last for a fair bit, fair bit. Uh, it does. Well, it does. I mean, it room. all depends on individual taste, you know, whether you want your bottle to be perfect with the ding free, you can, then you might need a new bottle afterwards after the first try. But, you know, I still have my bottle with many dings on it that I use. Um, and, <laughs> and yeah. it's just because, you know, I, um, I don't like to waste things and I, I love our bottle. And so I want to live our value, which is, you know, use our bottle as much as we can. No, I mean, in, in the Middle East, this would go w really, really well with the fitness, the boot camps out in the day. I mean, we literally, we were doing boot camp at 40 degrees Fahrenheit, you know, in the Celsius. So that, and the, the metal bottles were, we had tons of them and we'd lose them. They get draw, they get draw, driven over by the car because it was a big part of having a bottle of water for the kids. Because it literally was, it, you had to have, a, they'd have to, and the metal bottles made sense because they just contained the Absolutely, the cool, and so this is where so, the yeah. price point for our bottle makes a big difference as well. Where having a, you know, under a $4 bottle or three something, you've been reusing it, you forget it somewhere, you drop it and, you know, you lose it. It's not the end of the world. You go buy a $45 bottle of water, a bottle to fill your water in, you leave it behind somewhere, it's heartbreaking. <laughs> so... Yeah. Yes, those camel, the camelback ones. I remember how many yes. we lost. There were, there were yeah, so this is the whole, you know, that's one thing we're yeah. trying to kind of curb is, is that. It's is this idea when your child takes a, your kid takes a bottle and they lose it, it's, it's okay. It's, you know, it's a $3 bottle. They've lost it. Okay. Yeah. You know? yeah. Nice, nice. Well, Saban, Linda, is there, what else? Is there anything I forgot to ask you that you wanted, you wanted to share today? Because I want to make sure. I want to make sure you get the value. No, actually, I think podcast. we covered a lot of ground, and uh, thank you for having us on the show. Um, 
and uh, you know, allowing us to share our story with uh, with your audience. And uh, yeah, it was it's been a pleasure actually. No, I literally it's my I, I I thought I I thought oh there's one last one, you know that Michigan yeah. there was that Michigan um, somewhere in Michigan Lens, where Michigan, the water no is that no it hasn't been resolved. resolved. I know actually so what had happened was instead Nestle made a commitment, I believe it was Nestle, that made a commitment to them and has been sending them water for, for a very long time. Bottles of water. Yeah. So there's been companies that have stepped up, wow. which is great. I think if you have access to clean drinking water, you need to share that. Um, you know, why not? Uh, it's such a small ask from Nestle, but such a big impact on, on people who live in Flint, Michigan. Uh, but you know, Yeah, it's Flint. But that... See, this is that pipeline. So instead of building a pipeline for oil and gas, just reroute it from your source in the mountains all the way to... I, I totally I agree. I think if all these oil and gas companies, you know, with, with oil and gas dying, if that were to happen and they were just to use it, re repurpose it to take water, I think we'll, everybody will be happy. No one will ever have a problem with a, a rupture again. There might be, well, there's some, yeah. there might be some, you know, the pipe, different kind of pipes and there's a lot of issues there, but you know, I, I literally think that that kind of scare, but it's per, it's almost permanent for that town. I don't understand when they're not putting. Well, their money you know, into it's sad, but uh, there's lots of towns in Alberta that are facing a very similar situation as well. So Flint, Michigan, is just a bigger, bigger part of U.S. Yeah. that's got a lot of attention. But there's many parts of Canada, even Alberta, uh, reserve, Canadian First Nations reserves that do not have access to clean drinking water because their water, the water sure. that they have, is very high in lead or any other kind of. Just toxins. Un, yeah, toxins that isn't good for you. So, I mean, I was in Vermilion not that long ago. I think it was September last year. And people in Vermilion, which isn't that far from here, or don't drink tap water. They can't. No, no. So, you know, in smaller towns like Lloydminster and all that have the same issue. These are, again, towns with very small people, hamlets, basically, not a population for the government to invest in. But we tend to forget yeah. that. Access to drinking, access to clean drinking water is not a right. It's not a privilege. It's a right, and we can't look at it as a right, uh, as a privilege, right? Yeah. No, it's incredible. I mean, I, I li lived in the middle. I lived in Kazakhstan, and the big that part there, the irrigate how the Aral Sea, right? They literally, the during the Soviet times, they the, for irrigation for the crops, and they, they the Aral Sea is half gone. I mean, I don't know what it looks like today. But that's a big part of, you know, that water rerouting, you know, the different uh, the water, water territories. And it's a big part of that area because not everybody has the luxury. And you're right. It's it's a it's a I think called a privilege or a right. It's just incredible. That's right. Yeah. Water is uh, somebody just told me that it's life sustaining and it's giving and we really need to treasure it and uh, make sure we um, manage it so that our future generations can can still enjoy it. Sure. Well, good. Sawan and Linda, it, okay, how do people find you? I mean, instead of driving to your factory, your, your, your plant up in North, up online? or do you So you we have our website, drinknorthwater.com. And our social media is also yeah. Drink North Water. Find us, reach out, email. We have an info email on there, and uh, which comes directly to us, to our team. And uh, yeah, we can always, always happy to talk to people. We you know, would love we love sharing our story. We like to hear what people have to tell us. We're always looking forward to feedback. We're always looking forward to ways of building our community. And uh, the easiest way to do it is reach out to us through our website. And yeah.
Oh, one last thing I want to, because when you mentioned the First Nations, I know Phil Alley from uh, Tester Technologies, he was on a guest of the podcast. Again, I, I can't remember the number, but he said that because their relationship with their technology is a, you know, clean instruments using UV rays. And, uh, and so it's cleaning those PPE equipment, but they have a, his alignment or one of their first, first, uh, I guess, one of their initiatives or one of their big initiatives was to, was, was first nations getting that PPE, their tester technology out there. It sounds like a natural alignment. If that's something, you know, getting fresh water to those people as well that have suffered under COVID, you know, because of their whatever circumstances. So I, I don't know if that's something you would think of, but it's, to me, it just, it sounds like a good Absolutely. partnership yeah. or potential partnership. Um, no, well, nothing. I'm just. Oh, sorry. Uh, maybe after the podcast, maybe you can uh, kind of <laughs> hook us up uh, through LinkedIn with uh, was it Phil? You said. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Phil Alley with A L L E, but Tesser and yeah. So just when you when you mention those, I just go to I just think of wow, didn't I just have a conversation? So that's that you know that I just like that. It's 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 nothing. I don't see. I don't have any relationship there other than. Hey, he mentioned First Nations. You've mentioned it, so I think there's a mm -hmm. and small villages across Canada, Alberta Health, you know, services. They don't always have the facilities, and so sometimes something like what you're doing with the water, and or you know, equipment that can clean. It, it, there's a natural yeah, line that makes so much sense there in those spaces. So, well, Linda Sawan, thank, thank you, you so much, you too, and, Alan, and stay likewise. safe. Have a happy Easter. Bye. Bye. Now.